until he'd won as well number one, I think he was just not satisfied with with how it had been done. And I'm like, how hard are you to please? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Michael McEwen here. Thank you very much for tuning in. Always a pleasure to have your company. And yes, once again, lots to get through this week, including a little bit later on, a very special guest will be joining us. Kate Rose, wife of major champion, former world number one and Olympic gold medalist Justin will be coming on the show for a little chat. As I say, that's a little bit later on, but loads to get through before then and ready to get right in amongst it, Bunkered Editor Bryce Ritchie. Good morning, Mr Ritchie. How are we? I'm good, Michael. How are you? I'm okay. Did you have a good weekend? Knew this was coming. 53 seconds on the clock. You know what? I had a lovely weekend, Bryce. It was was okay. Why'd you ask? Oh, nothing. Just go for it. I don't care. Go for it. you, you, You attended your first ever Glasgow Derby. Old firm match, yeah. yeah. I was there on Sunday to see the world's most successful football club. For the next few weeks. For the next few weeks, potentially. Yeah. Apart was... from some Saudi team that are actually, they're going to get more trophies. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Something like that. It doesn't matter though, because they don't play in our league. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'll know we, all about we, that. We focus on what we know. <laughs> but yeah, I was there at Hamden on Saturday. First ever time at the age of 39 going to see Ranger play Celtic. And yeah, what you know what? The better team won, unquestionably. There is no doubt about that. What a spectacle though. I mean, objectively, if I take my blue blood out my veins, that is an incredible experience. That's brilliant. I'd rather be at the game than watching. I hate watching it on the telly. Really? I yeah, I don't like it on the telly. I'm too nervous. I don't like it on the TV. You've been to, I think we worked this out last week, about a dozen no, games. Uh, yeah, I think 13 or something like that. And I've only seen so us lose. So about a dozen. Yeah, yeah, there you go. 13. I, th- I think I've only seen us lose twice. So you go to the games at Celtic Park? Yes, and I've been yeah. to Abrooks a few times as well. <laughs> Unbelievable spectacle. There's smoke that goes off before the games and... The noise it is it is different class, but unfortunately the result was not. Well, it does happen when your team stop playing football during the game. That does I, does happen. Amateur hour stuff. Yeah. But hopefully this will be a big summer and things will improve next year. We done with the football chat? I played golf on Friday night. No way. I did. Your first round of the year. First round of the year. It wasn't as go on. Yeah, Crack on. it wasn't it wasn't as good as your first round of the oh, year, Michael. Why? Yeah, yeah. I think we all know why. But there are uh, levels to the first round I, of the year game. Yes, I went and you will always win those. <laughs> I went forevermore, which is annoying. I went to Hilton Park, uh, the old stomping ground. Old stomping ground, yeah. yeah. And I played the Alder course. Now is that the bigger nine. one or the no, smaller, right, the okay. smaller one? Front nine, and. Uh, it was great. So Hilton Park, for those that don't know, is in Mulgay, which is just to the north of Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. Long established club, 36 holes, two, two really J- good courses. Two James Braid courses, I believe. Are they really? Yeah, twice. James Braid, that would be the five-time Open, Open. champion James Braid. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> His last course design, I believe, was Stranraer. Yes. <laughs> These are in-jokes, and you'll eventually get them when we keep talking <laughs> about James Braid. And I played with someday an old pal that I'd not seen for years. He lives in New Zealand, and he, he plays maybe... He's played, he said, about three or four rounds of golf in about five years and he holed out from the middle of the second fairway for the no eagle. No way. And that just sort of pissed me off, to be quite honest. <laughs> How did you play? Never mind. I was what, one under standing on the fourth tee and it was all going really well. But then I was more concerned about my wee boy enjoying his golf mm. and 
he was wanting to drive the buggy. I hope no one's listening to Hilton Park because he's not legally allowed to drive the buggy, but that was my dad that let him do that, so it was my fault. And uh, your dad's a former captain there, so yes. <laughs> good luck. Former captain. <laughs> it's fine, drive the buggy. I, I think I bogeyed in. But actually, my golf was good. My short game's a bit iffy. You know, played much though, so to be no, expected. And my back is killing me. So Was it killing you before the golf yes, or after? Yes. So osteopath this morning. I've been to the osteopath three times in the last two weeks. So I'm going to the gym tonight for the first time in a few months. Is that a good idea? Yeah, because I need to get flexible and mobile. So Okay. Sounds like you might need a microdiscectomy. And I know somebody who has some a, experience with that. A what? A microdiscectomy. What does that do? What's a tiger hand? Oh, right. Several of them, and then it ended up with a fusion. You uh, might need fair, to have a spinal fusion yourself. Yeah, I don't really want in that Tiger's got. Well, apart from all the millions and the majors and all that stuff. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Anyway, look, let's go to the PGA Tour. Last week, Tony Finau won the Mexico Open. Vedanta, do we do we know what Vedanta is? So this is another uh, spot to sponsor. Yeah. Vedanta I, sounds Vedanta. Mexico, Vedanta, it's got to be like, I don't know. Ah, it's actually not that exciting. Grupo Vedanta is a Mexican conglomerate involved in design, construction, financing and operation and maintenance of hotels, resorts, cruises and associated infrastructure. Boring. Incredibly boring, probably worth billions. Anyway, they, they ponied up for the Mexico Open last week. Won by Tony Finau. Very, very low scoring tournament. What was he, 24 under par? Something like that. I think his 66 in the final day. Was that not his worst round of the week? And I watched that and it was pretty dull. Because it was low scoring, yeah? yeah. Well, it just wasn't that. There was not really much excitement. There was never really any hope in the last day that Ram was going to get anywhere near him. And, you know, he shot 66 low, so he didn't even break sweat. Yeah. And clearly he didn't because he went out to play golf afterwards. <laughs> we'll come to it. I mean, that's, that's incredible. But look, four wins in the last 18 starts now for Tony Finau. A guy that took forever to get his second win. This first one, of course, was an opposite field event of it, so a little bit of an asterisk against that. Anyway, it took him ages to get a second one, and now he can't stop. What has changed for Tony Finau? I think he's just... He, I think he's completely different to a lot of other players. He's quite chilled, quite relaxed, doesn't doesn't appear to put himself under much stress. I look at everything in his game, I look at his swing, I look at the way he puts, and I just think it's all weird, but it works for him. And it's it's... Interesting, you look at Ram and you look at the way Tony Finau swing the club, you probably wouldn't teach that. Three-quarter length swings. Yeah, you wouldn't mm -hmm. teach that. Even the way Finau puts, you wouldn't teach that. I've had a putting lesson and they do not teach you the way he puts. <laughs> but he's, it's obviously, he's very comfortable in his own yep. skin. And he's clearly, you know, every time you're a big Finau fan and I remember you talking about it when he couldn't get over the line and so on and... He just had that, you know, it's not at the end of the day that I didn't win. And we all, I remember a few times, like, oh, come on, you want him to be a wee bit angry. Yeah. There's you a, want you, him to you, be... You can be upset and still be a nice guy. To yeah. Me. But he didn't go down mm. that road. He yeah. was just... And then when he, remember he got picked to the his first win and he was praising the guy that won. You're like, that's just... That was Genesis, I think it was. Was that Max Homer? Max Homer, yeah. Yeah. And he had that... I was like, oh, Tony, just call him a prick or something, you know? <laughs> Killer instinct is yes. lacking here, Tony. Uh, that's what that's what we all said. I remember that you said that. But he's just he's on a roll. He's playing great golf and he's picking up the wins. And the next step is majors. There's no doubt he can do that. Yeah, I think for me the, the single biggest difference in them is just about a 
confidence, a bit of belief. Yeah. I, I, he's never struck me as somebody who's not especially confident, but as much as there are levels to where you play your first round of the year, Bryce, there are levels to confidence. Do you know what I mean? It's You can be super confident, but not quite confident enough. Just missing that 1% that makes all the difference and turns yeah. a runner-up finish into win. So I think that it's, it's an old cliche, but success breeds success. And I think that's the role he's on just now. I don't think he's changed as a person. You know, you look at that Netflix episode, that for me was probably the best episode of Full Swing because it showed somebody completely normal, almost unaffected by the trappings of his success. The first episode, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, sitting on their private jet, just the two of them, playing $1,000 guess the card games. It was just a so, bit crass. It was so far removed from the type of life that I think Tony Finau leads. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I did think that. And then you see Finau, he's on a jet too, a private jet, yeah. but he's getting off it to be welcomed by his family after uh, winning. It's not, it wasn't Different. quite the same as the manner. But you, part of me feels sorry for the, for the Spieth-Thomas fiasco, or if you can call it that, because I wonder if they were coached into acting a certain way for the first one i don't know and i don't know whether it was filmed the first one or if they how they how they worked the that out whatever it, yeah. yeah because it just seemed a wee bit that episode was more forced than mm -hmm. any other episode and i thought spieth came across really poorly in it mm -hmm. i thought thomas was good but the, you're right Fino's a, a lot more relaxed yeah it seems a, it seems a lot more genuine and i think that's why a lot of people like him He's, he seems to be everyone's favorite player and proof that you don't have to be a complete and utter bastard to win yeah, golf that, events does does help but i've always surprising said though isn't it i mean we're kind of laughing but you know, we talk about killer instinct. That was the thing that was holding him back. Maybe he's added a bit of that, but not at the expense mm -hmm. of who he is at his core. Yeah, no, I quite agree. Quite agree. So, major championships. Then you said that's the next step. Is it going to happen this year? Why not? You know what? U.S. Open this year. It's a new course, level playing field. Level playing field. You know, it's we we don't really know how it's going to set up. It's obviously new new team behind at USGA even they've done it before but they won't they won't be a Mike Davis type setup well we don't think it will be and it's not going to we don't expect it to be killer long so I think he's got as much chance as everyone else I can see him winning an open championship the guys get game mm -hmm. you know the only slight negative I thought he's maybe his bunker play isn't the greatest maybe but because I did, I thought his bunker play on Sunday was actually quite poor. That's a fair point. And Royal Liverpool's got plenty of those, as we yeah. know. But they're different bunkers over here are just different. But it, listen, to win a major these days, you need to be you need to be informed. You're I'd, very unlikely that someone's just going to come out of nowhere and do well. I know we just had the Masters and half the Live guys come out of nowhere. <laughs> but then there's an argument: did they come out of nowhere? But Mickelson certainly did. Mm -hmm. But I think Augusta's different. Different golf course. All the history, what you know about it, blah, blah, blah. There's no doubt Fino will be in people's betting slips for majors this year. Should be. 27 major starts to this point. He's made 10 top 10s. A best finish of third, funnily enough, in the Open at Royal Portrush. The year before that, he was tied ninth at Royal Birkdale. No, Carnoustie. Carnoustie was 2018. So, clearly has a game to suit Link's courses, so we'll see how that goes. John Ram, runner-up, and besides anything else, when we're talking about Fina and Majors, take a bit of confidence from holding off the guy that's the most recent Major champ, world number one, 
hands down at the moment. If that doesn't give him confidence, he can get the job done in the big ones, then nothing will. Absolutely. John Ram, I mean, he just continues to ooze class on and off the golf course. It would have been the easiest thing in the world for him not to play last week. It's yeah. not a designated, designated event. Or the week before. Or the week before. Yeah, good point. Not a designated event. He could easily have skipped it, but he's a defending champ and he wanted to do something for the people of Latin America. You know, his people, he, he felt a responsibility to show up. That's just class. I know. What's not to like about John Ram? What is it with all these nice guys? I thought, he, he, standing in the 18th, putting his Ram round Tony Fiona, that's just... What other sport does that? Mm. And don't they were talking to each other. The only thing is that maybe the intensity of a final round, they're not going to do that in the PGA Championship and so on, but the intensity of the final round perhaps wasn't there. And Ram's had a busy few, busy few weeks, but there's no doubt that Ram will not want to not win. He'll want to keep racking them up. Not not for the fact that the prize money is outrageous. Mm-hmm. But I thought that says it all about Ram. He's... He's a fiery character and he still has the the humbleness to stand on that green and put his arm around him and go, well done, mate. I just think it's class. I love John Ram. Yeah. Everything about well, as, as you said, what's not to like? And there he is. He's just broken the, the record for prize money with four four months of the season still to go. So not like 13 million? 14.4. 14. 14.4 million dollars. Not bad. Before May had started. Yeah, bear in mind That's that pretty does good, isn't throw it? back to September as the wraparound schedule. Yeah. That said... It's more than bad. I've made. It's not bad, is it? Yeah. I'm not sure it's as much as you've made, Bryce, but it's <laughs> certainly more than I've made. Live golf, look, they had... It's all uh, investments, all investments. <laughs> How is your portfolio just now? <laughs> strong to... <laughs> I, looked strong. At, I looked at it yesterday, I'm 25% down. Oh, right, okay. That's so I, I don't... I don't even know what it's called anymore. Bitcoin, is it... What do you call that? Investment? Cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. Just, like, pointless. Yeah. But your brew dog money is... I have no idea what that <laughs> money is. If Brewdog are listening to this, we invested £100 each. Yeah. Where is that money? Give us it back. We want to liquidate want, those I, shares. I want my money back. I want to liquidate that and take that money back myself. And go to the pub where you'll most likely Spend drink. Spend it. Brewdog. Yeah. yeah. Live Golf. Another successful event for them in Singapore off the back of Adelaide. Taylor Gooch. I mean, is this the Taylor Gooch era, Bryce? Back-to-back doubles? Ws even? <laughs> doubles? <laughs> <laughs> I had back-to-back doubles, but that's a different matter. Yeah, back-to-back wins for, for Taylor Gooch, winning in Adelaide and Singapore. Here's the interesting bit. He's dropped another spot on the world rankings. He is now 60th. Oh, here we go. There are surely not, right now, there are surely not 59 better players in the world than Taylor Gooch. Well, how are we going to talk about this? Because... That is the case. They don't deserve world ranking points. Oh, explain. Why don't they deserve world ranking points? Because you can't just start a tour that doesn't conform to the rules and expect to get the same ranking points as a tour that's been conforming to the rules since the inception of the world ranking system. In what way doesn't it conform to the rules? They don't play 72 holes every week. Which they don't have to do. That's not no WGR constitution. But But they do do that on the tour. So you can't just suddenly decide that you're going to play different rules to everyone else. But they're not. It's an exhibition. The MENA tour plays 54 whole events. 
That other one that I know, got, but got you're not. You're, but you're not. Christmas but, got you're, 54 but you're not seriously considering that the mean that the live tour and the mina tour will dictate what happens. You can't just invent a tour and suddenly expect to walk in and get ranking points. It's an exhibition. You can't qualify for it. How do you possibly justify giving these guys ranking points? They've been invited. It's not. See when you're rolling your eyes there and going, "Oh, isn't it?" You said it's an exhibition tour. I didn't roll my eyes. I puffed you, out my cheeks. But it, but it is. It's they're literally invited to play. You're not qualified to play for that tour. You didn't play your way in. They've gone right. We're going to give you all. We're going to invest two and a half billion. You're playing uh, ranking points, please. It doesn't work. I'm sorry. It just cannot work like that. They have tried to get round the table, and there's a lot to discuss when they get round that table. And I expect at some point they will get ranking points. And will I have anything to say about that? No, I won't have a problem with it. But you can't just invent a tour, invite all these guys, and bang, give them all world ranking points. The DP World Tour, even the MENA Tour, if it wants to get that aggressive about it, and the PGA Tour are rightly within their rights to go, wait, wait a wee minute, that's, that's not right. Because it's not. What they will have to do is create some sort of system that they bring into live because I still don't think if you cannot qualify to play for if it's a closed shop, which effectively it is. Which it's not. How is it not a closed shop? Because from this season, players will be relegated many, and there will be promotion. How many players? I think it's the bottom two go out. Two golfers. Yeah. And there's That's a system ridiculous. to come in. That's ridiculous. Two golfers. Uh, it's, listen, it's a listen, closed shot. Uh, hang on. I'm not I'm not saying it's not ridiculous. I'm not saying that more players should be relegated. That's all up for debate. The question is, can you get in? Yeah, and the two, answer two, is, two, yes, you can. Two players is highly ridiculous. You, you, the, the difference with the PGA Tour is the top 125 in the FedEx Cup could all play their arses out and the other 125 get in and they all get kicked out. They won't, you know what I mean? I know what you mean, yeah. You can't have two guys coming into a tour and expect it to be justified as a, I've just qualified for live. That's just not right. You cannot justify that in any shape or form. So they're going to have to fix that. And I guarantee the guy that, if he finishes last, is not going to be Mickelson that they kick him out. Yes, so they will. not going to work. That, that's exactly it's what never happens. never going to happen. That is exactly what happens. Now, that's what they've said is going to happen. It's, will it happen? Of course it Let's won't. Let's see. You're saying, of course, it won't. I think in order to be taken seriously and be credible, they have no alternative but to drop him. However, that's not going to happen. There'll be a L- thing in the thing that team captains like one that, yeah. or somebody Because the best players on that tour, or that league, will be fine. Mickelson will need to massively lose his form. The thing is with the, to d- be anywhere the, near the DP C1 World Kim. Tours, you have guys that play over the course of a season to qualify and get enough points to get into certain events. And they have to work hard. Like you play BMW, you know DP World Tour players that will not have qualified for the BMW PG in years gone by. They'll bust a gut to get into that tournament because that tournament has ranking points. So in order to get into that tournament, you have to play well. You have to turn up week in, week out and put some scores together in order to get yourself into that tournament. When you get into that tournament, you then have access to more points and it's up to you to play well to grab those points. That's not the case at Live. These guys have gone, you can come in and play here. Some of the, I'm not going to name them, but some of those players have no right to play alongside guys like Brooks Kepka, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau. They have no right whatsoever to play alongside those guys. Yeah, I agree with that. Then 
they basically get invited to come in and play and then they've all said, by the way, we should get mega ranking points because he used, he's a for, what, former US Open champion. Look how good we're playing, blah, blah, blah. So this guy has got no right to be there is suddenly invited with this opportunity to get all these ranking points. That's not right. That's the opposite of qualifying for the BMW PGA through eight months of playing good golf to get into the DP World's flagship event. That's the big problem with Liv. And Phil Mickelson knows it. I know it's so <laughs> he's saying in, in his tweets and so on, but he's, yeah, so he's let's, ignoring let's, let's, all let's those points. Let's just add some context to that before you jump in and, and slaughter the guy. Phil Mickelson tweeted quite a lot last night about what he perceives as collusion by the forces behind the scenes, putting pressure on the official world golf rankings to keep live out. Unsubstantiated claims, we should say at this point, because whilst Phil is throwing around these accusations, he's not backing it up with any substance. And when he's getting challenged on it, he's just retreating from that conversation. Again, not not throwing any specifics to it. So he may be right in what he's saying. There's a high chance in regards right. to the TV contract. All of it, you know, yeah. in terms of the collusion. Let's 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 find a way to keep live out. How else do you explain the PGA Tour being overly weighted at the expense of the DP World Tour and other tours? I expect he's right. But he's got to start backing it up with actual yeah. claims. That may come out in the wash yeah. in, the, in the, the court proceedings later this year. But to your point, Phil is suddenly quite active again, quite mouthy again. Making good points, but not really good enough points for them to have any merit at the moment. Is that fair to say? Some of the stuff Phil says is is correct. I do buy into it. And, and uh, it's just the, it's the out of nowhere suddenly he's got this... I'm trying to do right for the game. Where was that 10 years ago? I'm not really buying that. I think he's a bit false in that sense. But you can't deny some of the stuff he's saying is correct. Like TV contract, it doesn't surprise me. It shouldn't really surprise anyone. The TV contract is probably weighted to, it seems it's weighted towards fields where there's a certain amount of top 20 players playing. If they don't get that, then you, they're not going to get that you money. You'd be the worst TV exec in the world exactly. not to put that condition like in we're, we're talking about the, the, the old firm and the TV contract with Sky. Thank you, by the way. No problem. And why they're not showing relegation games and so yeah. on. TV people are not daft. They want an audience. Their sponsors paying for an audience. Their advertisers are paying for an audience. Those TV execs would lose their job mm -hmm. if they didn't deliver those numbers to his paying sponsor. This is the world that you live in. What they've got to do is work out where else those games can be shown. That's a fairly obvious, it's business 101. Yeah. And I, and I understand that with the PG Tour. And Phil Phil's well aware of that, but he's trying to use that as an excuse to get live. You know, he's, he's been a little bit deliberately disingenuous, yes. I, I would say. How does this get resolved then? I mean, I, I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate partly to get her eyes out of you, but also because there is the other side of the argument, people saying that Liv should get points. Now, for what it's worth, where I'm at, I don't think they deserved world ranking points last year for the reason you put out. They right. invited a bunch of players totally to agree. play. And I don't necessarily think they deserve world ranking points this year because there was no promotion or relegation last season into this. So those players that are playing this year are still invitees. When that changes next year, and we can split hairs and argue about the merits of the promotion and relegation all we want. There will still be a way that people can get into that league. There's, when that yeah. happens, that's when I think, wait a minute, there, there has to be a serious conversation. There's a legit, it's a legitimacy issue. What I don't understand is why they just don't completely align with the Asian tour. But there's got to be a reason for that. No idea what it is, but there's got to be a reason for that. Maybe the Asian tour don't want that. But 
I agree with you. I didn't actually disagree with you. I think they probably should get some sort of ranking points this year because you cannot argue that Liv is now a legitimate golf tour. It is. The Masters changed all that. You're saying it is this year? Yeah. Even though all those players are still invitees. Are you not torpedoing your own argument? Yeah, I am. I am. <sighs> no, I am. I was convinced that this tour was just... An anti-competitive exhibition. Anti-competitive exhibition. Yeah. You can't really... You've got to submit, go back and say, I was wrong. When they turn up at the Masters and, and you think, hmm, it's changed the whole landscape of tours out with majors. If I was Jay Monaghan or Keith Pelly, I would be petrified at the future because that torpedoes their argument that these guys are playing exhibition golf. They are clearly not. Everyone was talking about live golfers and they weren't getting slated. It was at people were admiring mm. it. And I do think if you've got major champion reigning major champions playing on mm-hmm. that tour, it legitimizes it. You've got past major champions on that tour legitimizes it. You've got guys that have played PG Tour golf, maybe not set the Heather and Fire and PG Tour, but they're now going to live former world number ones as well. And they're playing very well. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. So they are trying to get bigger. They've got more events. You know, they've started to build something that they think is going to take off. It does seem a bit strange to have these guys playing these events and they it, it appears to have them like they're playing it outside the golf bubble. I'm all for grow I, I'm all for growing the game. I'm not sounding like a PR oh, executive. You're careful. I'm spending careful, more time careful, careful. with your family. <laughs> you said that, not me. Greg, he said that. <laughs> I just think like they're going to have to get something worked out. Mm-hmm. One thing I don't like about Live is it, it is invitational only. Mm-hmm. It's a closed shop. You can talk to about your two guys. Whatever. Masters is an invitational. No, it's not. Shut it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Listen, I think the world rankings right now isn't representative of who the best golfers in the world are because it's ignoring all of the best players. Of course. But I do agree that they're in a slightly tricky spot this year and probably they inevitably were because Liv is in his infancy, whereas it's taken on established tours. The the big thing here is that Liv has come in with tons of cash and said, we're the richest tour in the world. We have some of the best players. We have reigning major champions. Give us what we think we're entitled to. And everybody else has gone, whoa, 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 wait a sec. Just pump the brakes. And that's the space we're in right yeah. now. It's the, the whole point is that they're arguing about that. It's that Jay Monaghan must, you feel it saying to him, we scared of. Like, why are you scared of? If you believe you, your product. You sounding like Greg. But if you believe your product is better, what are you worried about? Because I think genuine golf fans still, I think your traditionalists, I do believe there's more traditionalists than mm-hmm. live people. I was going to say live bots there. But you know what I mean. I do think that the PGA Tour will be able to stand its ground. But they clearly are not convinced about that because they're adamant that they don't want them getting world ranking points. Lack of confidence in your own product is never a good thing. Bob Parsons, the founder and owner of PXG, says that his equipment company will not work with Liv. Really the first major equipment manufacturer to come out and cut ties with Liv or to put up a barrier with Liv. Parsons is a a US Army veteran, served in Vietnam. He describes himself as a a huge patriot. I think anyone who's ever spoken to him or listened to the episode we did with him, oh, what's that, almost two years ago now, will know that. He's a man of his word and he is 
as American as it gets. Cut him open and he bleeds red, white, and blue, and Star Spangled Banners come out and everything. <laughs> Even so, <laughs> given the trajectory that Liv is on, like it or loathe it, you can't deny that it has upward momentum at the moment. Are you surprised that an equipment company, which, by the way, is a disruptor in its own right, and mm-hmm. jumped into the scene with a lot of money and a lot of noise and said, we're going to make the greatest clubs of all time. Period. Nobody makes clubs the way we do. Period. Correct. It's a disruptor, Liv's a disruptor, but they've gone, nope, not for us. Does that surprise you? In a business sense, take the patriotism out. Not in really, because sense. there's not much advertising in Liv. There's not much brand awareness in Liv. So... No, it doesn't surprise me. It seems like an easy out. Mm-hmm. I get, I get, I get the the muddied waters. I get all that and the political stuff. I absolutely get all that. But it's actually quite an easy decision to say that because they'll all be in team uniforms. It's not going to be a lot of branding. You don't see a lot of Callaway tailor-mades on that tour. I mean, he could buy a team. Yeah, he could. Yeah, you see Nike, but that's because contracts haven't run out. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of an easy out. I think it's quite some quite good marketing from PXG, which they're good at. Well, they are very, very good at that. But there's no reason why they couldn't be the PXG4 aces or something like that if they want exposure <laughs> and branding. We're uh, laughing, but that's what they do in other sports, it isn't could, it? It could cost a lot of money. Could. But then the players would all have to play PXG. Do you think they care? I don't know. Hmm. That's enough love chat for this week. <laughs> Let's move on to the grassroots game, Bryce. Participation in the UK is up. In terms of rounds played so far this year, year on year, but memberships are dropping. Dropping mm, to what extent? Alarmingly. I think anytime memberships drop, you've got to raise your eyebrows and say, what are we going to do to stop this? The other thing, though, to consider is should we have seen this coming? Golf experienced, as we know, a massive boom during the pandemic and post pandemic. There was always going to be a little bit of a leveling off, was there not? Of course, that's what we said. About 18 months ago, two years ago, I said the same thing. So the, the, the game's in a great spot. It'll be interesting to see where we are at the end of 2023. Because that's when COVID's gone. The, that extra income that you get on the bank from COVID will most likely have gone into your golf membership or a new car or something else. And when that's all gone at the end of 2023, people will have a decision to make. I've already spoken to two golf clubs in the last few weeks and they've said they've lost members. Not a huge amount. They've you know, gained a few new members, but they've lost more than new members coming in. So they're, they're down. I don't think it's a huge surprise. I think people are expecting it at golf clubs. If you weren't expecting it, you're Hell you. pretty naive. Yeah. So if you're a golf club that's budgeted for the same membership two years ago as to now, you've made a grave mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll live to regret that naivety. We were all living in the gravy train two years ago. We're not going to be having that for just now. What what golf clubs were told by England golf and Scottish golf a couple of years ago was make use of this. Mm-hmm. Think about the future. Make how hay you, whilst the sun shines. Yeah, how are you going to retain these people? You know, And I think if a lot of clubs haven't gone out of their way to do that, then they'll pay the price. I think as long as the net gain is still there versus pre-pandemic, then yeah, lose followers this year, lose members this year. That's that's an inevitable consequence of life returning to normal, cost of living going up, inflationary pressures, all that sort of stuff. And people sitting down at the end of each month and saying, right, this is what I'm making and this is what my outgoings are. And they're trying to look for value. I've made this point elsewhere. We are now a subscription society. 
People have magazine subscriptions. They have gym memberships. They have golf club memberships. On top of that, we have TV memberships for TV memberships sake. Amazon Prime, Netflix, Sky Sports, BT Sport, Viaplay, Disney Plus. I mean, we're rattling off a lot of things that people subscribe to that come off direct debits and come off their bottom line every month. And at the end of it, at the end of the month, people are sitting down and saying, right, what do I have to work with? And when Mm -hmm. times get tight, you start cancelling subscriptions and direct debits. What golf needs to do and should have been doing for the last year, if not more, golf clubs should have been saying, how are we going to mitigate these losses? And I hope they have, but I'm quite sure some of them haven't. And I've had a bee in my bonnet for years and years and years about this. So many golf clubs are just, frankly, not making full use of what they have at their disposal. Well, but our golf club, for the first time this year, offered a 12-month finance a package which I'm using by for, the way. yeah so am I for people to pay their membership now I don't I've not bothered to ask whether that was a direct result of anything to try and encourage people to join but I think that's a good move of course it is. I'm not sure whether other, yeah whether other golf clubs will have done that you look at clubs that have got big clubhouses huge overheads and that clubhouse sits largely empty most of the time mm-hmm. I've made this point until I'm blue in the face there should be more done with those buildings because of the biggest overhead that you've got. Yeah. So what you do, you try and reduce the costs, reduce the amount of that overhead yeah. by putting on extra things. You can roll your eyes at quiz nights. I know you're not a quiz fan, but people like them. You know, make it a place that why. people people are, make it a place that people are going to go for birthdays and big occasions, engagements, retirements, wedding anniversaries. But that's beyond that's, that. That's Champions ex- League. Where are you going to watch the final? Yeah, that's at ex- the golf that's extra income, and I get all that. But the the in Scotland, forgive me for ignoring the other rest of the country, in Scotland, there are too many golf clubs in this country. It's too many clubs and no enough golfers. And we, we grew too quickly with the boom 25 years the ago. The first boom. The first yeah. boom. We grew far too quickly. We built too many golf courses. And all those golf courses are great. I've got nothing against them. But there's, too, there's not enough golfers, not enough subscriptions to go around. Spot on. So... I think we're paying the price of that now. But I think we will level out. I think in the next three, four, five years, we, we could be in a decent place because if you're not if you're not a golf club member, you c- there is opportunity for you, for you to be involved in the sport through things like Open Play or England Golf's iPlay. Is it iPlay? Mm-hmm. To be involved in these things. Because I think those things are, are positive for the industry. You can't have people playing golf that just exist outside the golf bubble and the grassroots. That's just not right. And statistics prove, and there'll be people going, that's bollocks. Statistics prove that being a member of Open Play, it brings some of those people back into membership. Either back into membership or join membership. Because they're looking for the value Uh of it. You can't assess the value from outside the game. Once you get involved in it, you go, actually, this is quite good. quite like this. So, I think memberships are down, but remember... They might have been at that level anyway. It's not the end of the world. Exactly. And this is even, this is even, uh, this will annoy a few people, but if a golf club folds because it's not getting enough members, it's just be careful. It's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Those keen golfers who are members will go somewhere else. And when they go somewhere else, they'll benefit that club and that club becomes stronger. Yeah. No one's going to, I can't imagine many people will walk away from the game because their club closes and oh, uh-huh. nowhere to play actually uh, I'm just going to give if up if anything now. you've got more choice than yes. you do anywhere else so I think we're in, a, we're in a healthy place and it'll just take a while for our sport to level out yeah what I would say just to any club or club official that's listening to this 
and it's saying, oh, that's nonsense, leave us alone. No, you've got to be proactive and you've got to continue to innovate because if you don't, you're going to get left behind. I keep saying this, Bryce, you've probably heard me say it more than anyone. How many golf clubs continue to be run by very well-intentioned but hopelessly qualified individuals yeah. who are just doing it because, well, someone's got to. Yeah. Meanwhile, there are recent business graduates shifting TVs out of John Lewis. That's not right to me. Something has to change there. But <sighs> Friday but night... They're doing okay, apparently. Friday night at Hilton Park, I would have to say it wasn't that busy. And my wee boy turns up in joggies. Now, if I'd turned up at Hilton Park 35 years ago in a pair of joggies, I would have been spoken to. That's I'm no slight in Hilton Park, but it's just a fact. Somebody would have said, you can't wear that. You need to be proper dress trousers, whatever they would say. Be turned up in joggies and a hoodie. No one said a word. Absolutely fine. Welcomed. Is it because it wasn't that busy, though? No, no. There was there were some members in the clubhouse. Absolutely fine. And there was a wee boy playing behind us, and I think he had a football top on, and he was playing with his dad. Brilliant. And he was having a great time. You think, that's brilliant. That, to me, says that we are going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. My wee boy's 10. I guess wee boy was about 12. There's two kids on a Friday night playing golf. I like that. I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. And they're wearing what the hell they want. That would not have happened 35 years ago. It just wouldn't have happened. I I do agree and I hear it, but allowing kids to wear joggies doesn't feel like a huge amount of progress in 30 years. There's got to be a lot more to it. And maybe there is, but that's not going to keep the the lights on when times get tough. That's why I think you've got to make better use of the facility. But it is is showing that the, the, the... culture of the game in this country has changed yeah. in certain parts of the country and and that cannot be seen in any other, anything else than it as a good thing. Right, before we get to the break, as I say, we've got a lot more coming up. It can't have escaped your attention, Bryce, that we are getting a new monarch Oh God! this weekend officially. So King Charles III will become officially the monarch for Great Britain and Whatever else, I don't really pay a huge amount of attention. The Commonwealth, you're going to ask me it? to name the Commonwealth no. countries, aren't Why you? Why would I do that? So I've, 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 got, I've just read quiz. Yes, yeah, there is a quiz, but I'm going to link it back <sighs> to golf because... You're asking in the wrong person royalty <laughs> questions here. Listen, you'll be fine with this. Apologies to anyone outside Scotland, just indulge me because it is the home of golf. There are 11 golf clubs in Scotland which have royal status. Name them. Oh, God. I was going to write them down. So write them down. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about it. I'm not going to ask for any answers just yet. Can I go to the toilet? As long as you leave your phones, I don't want you to cheat. (laughs) So you do that, and I'll send it to the break, because coming up after the break, loads more, including our very special guest, Kate Rose. Do not go anywhere. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in Performance from Callaway. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway. First up, many thanks to everyone who has been listening to our ramblings over the course of the last month. It's now May the 2nd and in April we posted a record month for downloads. Obviously we did the Masters commutes and so on, but we did that 
twice before. We did it at last year's Masters. We did it at the Open as well. So yeah, huge, huge volume of downloads last month. So thank you very much to everybody who has tuned in. We genuinely appreciate it. We don't take it for granted, Bryce, do we? No, we don't. <laughs> Sorry, I was sitting back there. I was relaxing. Is that your sore back? Kicking my sore back, yeah. Also, if you want more from Bunkered, then make sure you sign up for our newsletter. We have various newsletters that go out. We've got the Monday finish, which goes out every, funnily enough, Monday, Monday. morning. Yep, well done. Except when it's a Tuesday finish and then things get complicated. Never mind that. Though. And it goes out on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Well, Seldom happens. It's called a Monday finish, but it goes out on a Tuesday. We've also got our breakfast bulletin. Thanks, Bryce, for anyone who wants to have the, the latest info, the latest news in their inbox as they sit down for their cereal. Best cereal, Bryce, name it. Frosties. Wrong. Lucky Charms is the answer I was looking for. <laughs> so you can get that as well. It's an American series sweet. Yeah, it's like minis or marshmallows. Yeah, it's disgusting. Marshmallows for breakfast. It's good enough for America. Yeah, you know, so that explains a lot. They have a lot of weird stuff for breakfast. Yes. Anyhow, you can get that. And coming up very soon, the USPGA Championship will be giving you a daily newsletter full of news all about the USPGA. We do it for the Masters, we do it for the USPGA, US Open, strangely enough, the Open as well. And I think we might even throw one in for the Ryder Cup this year. So if you what? want all that stuff completely free of charge, the what? The Ryder Cup. All right, okay. Get that at bunker.co.uk. All we want is your email address. We're not going to charge you. You anything. can give us money if you want. If you like. I'll yeah. take money. I'll send you Bryce's PayPal details Thank if you're you. that way inclined, if you're that much of a mug. Go to bunker.co.uk, sign up, and you will be getting lots more content from us. Right, very special guest, as I have alluded to a couple of times already. We speak a lot to tour pros and we get their take on what life is like playing for millions of dollars and world ranking points or not, in some cases, winning major championships, getting to the top of the world rankings, winning Olympic gold medals, etc., etc. We hear their side of the story rather a lot. What about the other side of the story? What about the family's side of the story? To find out a little bit more about that and to hear about the continued success of the Rose Ladies series, we caught up with Kate Rose, wife of Justin, for a very fun chat. And here it is. Kate, welcome to the Bunker Podcast. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, so apologies in advance. It's your first ever <laughs> podcast. My worry, first ever podcast. They're really simple. If I can do it, you can do it. So we absolutely <laughs> fine. <laughs> I do listen to them all the time. I love it when I walk the dogs and have a podcast in my ears. So it's great. And now you're going to have another one to listen to. So even better. <laughs> <laughs> so look, thank you so much for your time. I know you're very busy today because as we speak, you're sitting at the Grove for the Rose Ladies Series event there. How's it all gone today? Give us an insight into how it's been. Yeah, it's going really well. Um, we're, the weather is cooperating. The sun is not shining yet, but I'm hopeful. Um, I think some of the putts are hard to drop, but you know, I'm sure every golfer can relate to that. And uh, it's still ongoing out there, but um, I've just had a chance to chat to our champion from the Wentworth Rose Ladies Series a couple of weeks ago, um, Lily May. So I'm catching up with her and a couple of the other girls once they've come off the golf course. And, you know, it's, it's so fun. The, the ladies are so well they're so appreciative number one but they're also they're so friendly and they are they're just a really great bunch of people um so i do really enjoy getting to know them and um and some of them who are coming through and winning for the first time and what it means to them and just get to know the families and it's it's been really fun to sort of work with some female golfers having you know really only been around the male golfers for 20 odd years 
uh, on tour with Justin and then previously I was working at IMG that's how we met so it's been the other side so it's been really I've really enjoyed it we both have excellent that's great to hear because look there's no getting away from it the the Rose Ladies series has been an absolutely huge success I guess strange circumstances about how it came about in the middle of a global pandemic it seems like you know not the ideal time potentially to, to start a new tour but equally a great opportunity too to be honest, it's not like we went into it with any, <clears throat> we didn't have any intentions of doing anything, but I, I think sometimes things have to hit rock bottom and then they they can go up pretty quickly. And once the pandemic hit, you know, we were very mindful of the fact that after three months or so, I think the PJ Tour got got back to work and everyone was back to work. And I think the slogan was back to work and, and off Justin trotted. And, and then we turn around and we're like, we noticed that the ladies weren't going back to work and it's to be really honest it hadn't ever been in our consciousness we hadn't really taken too much interest you don't you're, you everyone's got their head down they're working they've got their own goals and you're just pretty myopic sometimes um to try and achieve them and of course you have to be fairly myopic to try and get to be the best in the world at something so it's definitely not something that we'd really given any thought to but then um, I remember reading in the paper, there was an article by Liz Young, one of the female players, basically saying she was having to organise a roll-up because the ladies had no playing opportunities. I read it and spoke to Justin and spoke to um, you know a couple of people like, this is crazy. So managed to get hold of her phone number that night and said to her, what, what are you after? You know, the pa- you've said this in the paper, what do you need? There's money, of course, but um, I said, okay, that side, we can help with that. What else do you need? well, we just like to play. We need to play. We haven't, you know, we're, we're all sitting at home, not able to earn a living. So I said to her, well, what about doing more than one day? What about doing a series? You know, let's, what about that? You know, I had lots of ideas. Of, I didn't want to step on any toes. And she said, no, that sounds brilliant. And I said, okay, well, with your blessing, let's, let's see what we can do. And then honestly, and I don't want to I, d- I don't want to belittle it, but it really came together. It almost just came together by itself. Um, it was one of those rare moments where it was the right idea at the right time. And it just it just steamrolled ahead. I mean, I, I made some phone calls slightly naively, I guess, in a way, even though I've been involved in golf. I, I try and stay somewhat separate from it because, you know, obviously... Justin has a million people that want to talk to him about golf and that's not what we talk about when he comes home unless he really needs to but um so I sort of try to stay quite separate so I'm I'm a bit naive to the to the ways of the golf institution I suppose and in that way I think it's can be good because I I ask for things I don't realize you shouldn't ask for um so you know I call up Martin Slumbers the head of the RNA and I call up Royal St George's and I call up all these you know really incredible places and and people you just you know wouldn't necessarily feel that that's your place to do so um because slightly naively I didn't really ask I didn't really realize if I was asking for favors I just thought I was offering them all an opportunity to help the women I thought of course they're going to want to and they did you know that's the thing I've always operated under the assumption that everybody does want to do good things I think running our own charity for 15 years has given me that sort of training of I'm not asking you favors for me. I'm I'm allowing you to to streamline what I know you want to do, which is help people, and I'll and I'll help you help them, kind of thing. So, um, really, within a week, we had a full series lined up with all the golf courses lined up, and we announced it in the Telegraph. And um, 
and we had Sky Sports covering it. Um, so then, then it attracted other sponsors. So they actually came to me. Oh, we love what you're doing. How can we help? I said, match us. And they did. So the money went up, you know, American Golf and Computer Center were in from the beginning. Great, great sponsors. Um, so it all, it did really kind of take on a bit of a life of its own because I think also it captured the imagination in some way. There wasn't any live sport on TV. You know, we were still really in a pandemic and it was, people were starved of things to watch. So, so people really got behind it. And in addition, it's so simple. Of course, everybody wants to support the female golfers. And so it just kind of, it ticked every box and it made sense and it just kind of, it was. I started the train rolling, but then the ro- the train really kind of just rolled off. Um, you made it so look so simple. I, I know that's. I know it's not. I know it's been a lot of work, but you know, to your credit, you've made setting up a tour and setting up something that's got longevity look really, really easy. I can think of a few people who would probably appreciate a phone call from UK working in the <laughs> now. But you know, how much of your own sporting background impacted your decision and your desire to get involved? Because you know, a lot of people will be aware, some others, that, you know, you had a very successful career as a gymnast as well back in the day. So how much of that influenced your desire to be part of this? Um, good question. And I'm not sure if I really know if I can kind of attribute anything to that in particular, other than the fact that that has all been, it's all moulded me into the person I am. And I think to to become an elite um, gymnast or athlete of any level, any sport, there has to be a certain amount of um tenacity and not taking no for an answer and perseverance and also for me time management you know learning how to balance a levels and schoolwork with you know training three nights three three hours every night at a gym that's an hour away you sort of you learn to grab your opportunities when you can if it's an opportunity to just get your homework done on the train or if it's an opportunity to just you know whatever it is and I so I do feel that that's helped give me the opportunities in the sense that I I can if I get an idea, I can kind of, I can figure out how to get to that goal. I, I think that's what I really enjoy. And whether it's organising events or, or something more long-term, having that goal and then working your way back at the t- as to how to achieve it or with Justin, you know, how to periodise his training to peak. I guess that's, it's quite a sporting sort of analogy. And I think that, yeah, the training is a gymnast where we did not have competitions every week. It was really two to three main tournaments a year you know in the british championships european championships the world championships um so you really if you didn't peak at the right times you were miserable for six months i mean because you had a long time to reflect on it i think that one of the nicest things about golf is you know if even if even when you win it's kind of a double it's a double-sided sword even when you win you might be happy for monday by tuesday everyone's talking about the next tournament and you are old news so it's you don't get to live the good or the bad for too long. Whereas um, I think in my background, yeah, you definitely could eat away at you if you've messed up a, a move and lost. Um, so, yeah, that sort of focus and and just going for it, I think. Not not think, not being afraid to just have a go at something new. Um, but I have to say, we didn't kind of set, set out with the intention of having something that had longevity. I genuinely, it was a one-off. We thought we were just stepping in for the period of time where the pandemic where the pandemic was affecting the women very negatively and you know like I said at the end of the first year because people wanted to know if we were coming back and and even towards the end of the second year I always said well ideally like in any charitable entity you sort of want to become you you don't want to be needed because you want people to be able to 
flourish by themselves but if they if if it's needed then we'll be there and the feedback was always so positive from the ladies and that it was really filling a hole even when the let schedule came back up and running very strongly which is great to see um there was still a bit of a hole you know there's that slight gap between amateur golf and just treading into the into the professional leagues and the different levels of the professional leagues and we really have just tried to fill the gap. So that's why even today, actually, I was just talking to Lily May and we were doing, um, she was saying every year that women are kind of waiting to hear what, what the schedule is going to be for the Rose Lady series for each year. And But the, I said, the reason we don't tell you until the last minute is because we're not setting our own schedule. We're looking and seeing what the LET schedule is like. And then we're saying, you know, looking at it, okay, it, are you great or are you not? Oh, okay, it's not starting till May. Okay, that's quite a long off season. Would you like April as warm-up series, which is what we've done this year and last year? So it's really, we're very re responsive, I'd say. So it's not that we're going out and trying to create something for us. It's much more about listening to the feedback and what the demand is and where the, where the gaps might be in their opportunities and seeing if we can help plug those gaps and give them opportunities. Because like Justin, I might have heard him say his analogy, you know, being a professional athlete, you can't just can't just sit down and have a nice holiday and come back and turn the computer on you know you, there's a lot of there's a lot of chiseling away and and that needs to be done before you stand up with a scorecard in your hand to go and compete so we are sort of simply as providing a springboard i hope for them when their big events come up on the let or the lpga that they've had a bit of a warm-up season and they are ready to go and and do brilliantly Funny, I, I couldn't help but notice you use the term springboard. Once a gymnast, always a gymnast. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you sense a bit of momentum just now with, with women's sport across the board because it certainly feels to me like there is. You know, even beyond golf, you look at the success of the, the Lionesses last summer and the the extent to which their profiles increased, the 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 Six Nations that just concluded there at the weekend, Women's Six Nations, yeah. which was fantastic, a, a world record attendance for a, a women's rugby match. Feels it like wasn't it fantastic to see? Yeah, it was really exciting. And with the Lionesses, I mean, who in the country wasn't, you know, enraptured by that? I mean, it was just fantastic. So, yeah, it's exciting to see how far I think female sport has come in the last few years. Long may it continue. Um I think the more it's out there, and this is one of the other things we've tried to do is provide some visibility for the female golfers, because if you don't see it, how can you support it, really? If you don't know, you know, with the lionesses and you get to know the individuals, you know, kids are then looking up. And my son, we went on, we were traveling for Easter and he nipped into the uh, into the shop at the airport to buy a book out of his own money. And he came back with the lionesses book. I was so happy. But, you know, he's interested because he knows of them now. And you only know them, you only know of their stories and can buy into it and get excited and behind them if you've had the opportunity. And I think that's really where golf is struggling, um, is the visibility and particularly for the women. So with the first couple of series with the Rose Ladies, you know, we paid for the cameras to be there to go out on Sky Sports. And we now own, you know, all the footage we own. So we put it out on YouTube as well. I mean, I kind of watch how the kids are watching things and they're not yeah. really the days of sitting in front of the big old telly together is kind of gone. I mean, I know my kids, they'll, they'll want it in smaller chunks and really it's on the laptop or the or the phone even. So having being able to have some footage out there on YouTube, which is free, because I also feel that's really important. Golf has got that um, background of being maybe privileged and 
And how can we hope to change that if the only people that ever see golf on TV are from socioeconomic backgrounds who can afford to pay a Sky subscription? You know, Sky does a brilliant job of the of the coverage they provide, but people have to pay for it. And I feel very strongly, and I have written to the BBC in the past, and I've written in the paper about it, about the lack of coverage by the BBC. And so, you know, you can't change everything in the world, but you can try and just then provide a solution in your own way. And our own way was to provide our content on YouTube. And really, that's to help the women be able to give their sponsors some recognition. And it's for for them to be able to get their own stories and their own personalities out so that younger children, anybody really, but especially children can can see them and watch them and and start rooting for them. That's so true. I mean, I remember growing up in the 80s, 90s, when we had grandstand on, and there was just so many different sports that you were exposed to. You know, one minute it's football, next minute it's canoeing, then it's the Six Nations, then it's whatever else, fencing or horse racing. Yeah. Honestly, give me highlights or preferably live action of the Rose Lady series over reruns of Mrs. Brown's Boys any day. <laughs> that would be, that's definitely preferable <laughs> for me. But let's switch tack. So, obviously, great to see Justin winning on the, the PGA Tour again this year. Yeah. yeah. It must be hugely exciting for you guys. As I mentioned at the, the top there, you know, we we know a lot about what life is like for the guys competing on the PGA Tour. We, we hear all the various stories. Full Swing did a great job of illustrating that and, you know, bringing that to life. Tell me about the other side. I mean, the, being the wife of a, a major champion, an Olympic gold medalist, my goodness, not many, not many golfers like that, uh, a former world number one, Give me an insight into what life is like. Is it exceptionally normal or not so much? Well, I guess it's normal for me. I wouldn't really know any other normal, <laughs> if I'm honest. So, which is probably not normal for other people. But yeah, behind the scenes is pretty It's normal. You know, kids, school runs, trying to feed them things that aren't just beige. And obviously, Justin's gone a lot. That's been really tricky. When we lived in the States and then the Bahamas a lot easier because he was able to get home for Sunday nights, Monday, have Mondays at home and then leave for the tournament uh, on Tuesday morning. That's obviously changed since we've moved back to England, which is another byproduct of the COVID. The COVID. Um, so it's been great for the kids being back in England, great for the family, you know, being able to be around grandparents and aunties and uncles and good for schools, but not great for Justin and his travel schedule, to be honest. It, you know, I... I don't think he'd want to be called an aging golfer because he's only 42, but that's still kind of old, I guess, getting up there anyway. So that all those extra hours on a plane is does take a toll. So but he's really dedicated to his own fitness. So that's that's how he sort of combats all those extra hours in, in the air. And yeah, other than that, I mean he's he's gone a lot. I mean, really, from Christmas to Easter, he was home five days. So oh my that's goodness, a lot of five days. Single, yeah. Yeah, so that's quite a lot of time for me to be with the kids and for them to miss. And obviously, we see him at half term, and then I take the kids out um, for Easter and and can kind of see him on that side of the pond. But uh, that's probably the biggest challenge, I'd say. That's what's hardest. And he misses out on a lot of it. You know, he hates missing the cricket matches and the football matches and just the day to day stuff. So almost, it's almost, and this sounds really weird, but. Almost if he has got an injury or actually he's been up quite unwell um, this past couple of weeks, it's almost nice when he's injured or at home, because he's at home just, and we have a suddenly have a bit of a normal, oh, there's a mum, dad, two kids, and a different dynamic. So that's that's the that's the tough side. But obviously on the plus side, he's got a great career and 
very engaged in that and he's you know never bored golf's never boring and um i i used to travel a lot more with him obviously when the kids were younger and they were much more malleable i'd travel a lot when that was and that was really fun and people one of the things people have always asked me is oh is it you know is it handbags at dawn with the tour wives and <laughs> it's really boring and it's not it's you know really it's for the women who travel and there's a lot of them especially with young children or when people are just married that's that's our community that's your friends that's who you that's your support network and the people that relate to you you know you're traveling around different hotels different areas every week you're having to find things to entertain the kids to do and you do it all together and uh when your husbands do well everyone's really chuffed for you and and when it's not going well everyone can relate and i mean it's different now there's a lot more opportunity in the sport but i mean i always remember barbara nicholas and I've been lucky enough to spend some time with her over the years and you know how she had it with I think five children and and there was they if, if one of the husbands was playing well the other the other wives would watch all the kids so that that wife could go out and what you know so it's really it doesn't make for a very interesting backstory but it's all quite supportive you know to, to be only at home for, for five days I, I can't get I can't imagine how difficult that must be for for you both I mean I went away to the master's last month and the prospect of being away for nine days was making me tdi'd in the taxi on the, on the way to the airport you know yeah. that's the only away for nine days versus being at home for five days I, I i i salute you both and to everyone else who lives that existence because whilst it looks outwardly glamorous and you know it obviously you, you're able to afford a great lifestyle and so on there are huge sacrifices that people don't necessarily see yeah and I think for me I think the biggest sacrifice is with the family it's for the kids not that I would admit that to them because I like I say to them look he's it could be look at look at the families the military families their fathers go or their mothers go away for six months at a time and you might be worried about their safety you can always get hold of daddy on the phone um mostly and um if anything gets really bad, we can hop on a plane or he can hop on a plane. You know, it's it's so I think like anything in life, it's perspective, isn't it? There's always people who've got it better and worse than you. And you just have to um, look at the positives in your life and, and make do. But yeah, it's 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 a fun, it is a funny old world. It's a funny old life. And I think one of the things that would be probably most surprising is how unsatisfied I think a lot of the golfers are most of the time. I mean, golf is a sport where you lose so much more um percentage wise than you win i mean if you're winning once a year on tour you're pretty happy with life right and that's a lot of losses and and even if you look at tennis players they're winning a lot of rounds to get into a grand slam final so they're still getting wins under their belts and feeling feeling that sense of achievement um and you really don't have that in golf and if things aren't and i think to get to the top they're they're such perfectionists that they're pretty much never satisfied i mean i like I always joke with Justin, he's probably the most miserable world number one I've ever seen. I think he just wasn't happy with how he'd become number one. And, and until he won as world number one, um, or was he world? Anyway, until he'd won as world number one, I think he was just not satisfied with the, with how it had been done. And I'm like, how hard are you to please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we just be happy? Can we just have achieved this <laughs> and feel good about it? But I also think as a competitor, when you're in it, you can't really ever sit there and feel great about yourself because there's so many others coming up behind you and you've got, you've got to keep your foot down and keep pressing on. So I I don't think we've had any of that time of feeling, oh, look at, look at what you've done. Wasn't that great? Even with, 
you know, Ryder Cups and we've never watched really any of the footage or had time to reflect. I think the only thing that came close was the Olympics just because it was so separate and spectacular. And that one, I think, really resonated. But, but the rest kind of just, you know, like I said, two days later, your old news and, and you, you're right back at the bottom having to prove yourself and trying to win again. Yeah, I think that never satisfied thing is is possibly the reason for why Justin is still winning on the PGA Tour, and you know he's still competitive. You, you need to, you're never going to figure golf out. You're never going to complete it. You're never going to be perfect at it. And I think owning that and being aware of it and using it to fuel you—that's why you see guys who continue to to win so late into into their career. Not that I'm saying he's here. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> no, but I think that was that was a really that was a really satisfying win. You know, there's some wins that are really special. And that was really special because probably, you know, maybe other people had not written him off, but, you know, he hadn't been terribly visible for a few years and it was COVID and there was all kinds of things going on. And we were moving, you know, moving countries and it was, it's all a bit of a distraction. Um, and so, and then of course there was Liv and the whole question mark about that. And, you know, most of his friend, most of his peer group, I would say, and our great friends, you know, a lot of them went off to live and, I feel like that was a really special win because it was sort of very validating that he had decided to back himself, that he wanted to win on tour, he wanted to win majors, and he believed in himself, even if people were sort of wondering, oh, well, you know, it's all gone quite quiet. And so that was kind of a nice a nice moment to think, no, no, you did the right thing. You know, having a moment of validation, you have still got it. And, and he won, well, I'm not going to start fangirling, but I found it a very stress-free win, which was nice. He didn't look shaky or given that he, sometimes you have to sort of be back in contention to feel comfortable in that Sunday yeah. afternoon back nine. He looked perfectly com comfortable. So it made it kind of nice to watch as opposed to sitting on the edge of my seat. <laughs> so before we finish up, then I, I need I need to get some thoughts on Justin, if that's all right. I mean, tell <laughs> me, what, what's he like around the house? Does he pull his weight? Or, you know, if he's ever asked to tidy up, does he pull out the gold medal and say... No, not today. <laughs> um, I think he is very messy, but in the same token, mess really stresses him out. Oh so that's yeah, that's a that's one of the, the things at home. He he will he will pull his weight when he's home, but like you've seen, he's not he's not home terribly much, and he likes yeah he likes it to be and he he likes to host. He likes to have people round, and then. Likes it all tidied up again. <laughs> but pretty good on the barbecue. He got very good. Over, well, he's always been pretty good on the barbie. Being sort of born in South Africa, that's I think somewhat in, you know, pretty important part of his heritage. And during COVID, that was yeah, good good barbecuing. We had a green egg, luckily, nice. so he got really into the, the whole green egg and cooking on the green egg. And but yeah, I, I the, the barbecue cracks me up because again, like the. The men seem to just love standing out there on the barbecue. Meanwhile, the salad, the potatoes, the cutlery, the drinks, the music, the everything else, you know, gets done. But but it's all about the meat. It's all about, <laughs> it's all about what's been done on the actual barbecue. That um, it's. I think that's a lovely. I mean, when well, you it's fire, isn't it? Every, every yeah. man, it's fire, and so yeah. And Absolutely. to be honest, barbecue is not really. Back to caveman. It's it's just sticking me on until such times it doesn't burn. I mean that's that's all well, essentially. But the level of burn, the level of burn is very important. You know, you've got to have a certain amount of crispiness on things. So yeah, yeah. But he's got a great bunch of friends that he's grown up with at home. So it's I think that's that's one of his favourite things to come back, have a barbie, if the weather's 
accommodating, see all of his mates and yeah, get the, get the downtime, which is too rare at the moment. But Absolutely. A consequence of being successful. That's what that is. We'll take it. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, thank you so much for your time. What an absolute pleasure. Your first podcast, by the way, can I just say you've nailed it. <laughs> 10 out of 10 performance so. I'm pretending it's not a podcast it's just you and me having a nice chat and it was very enjoyable so thank you Michael well, no, thank you very much indeed best wishes to Justin for the rest of the season and to you of course and you. I can't wait to see what happens next for the Rose Ladies series it has been such a success and I wish you guys all the best thank you best. yeah tons and tons of ideas but um, watch this space how good was that brilliant many thanks to Kate Rose for her time Brilliant fun, and I, I I have to doff my cap continuously, Bryce, to the Rose Ladies series. It's finishing up for this year, this week at the Grove, so by the time you listen to this, I think we'll know who the latest winners are. What a brilliant idea, brilliant initiative. They didn't have to do that, Justin no, they Kate, no. did they? And it's, it's, full credit to them. Amazing. I do wish more tour players and their wives would get involved in things like this because it's, it's been brilliant for uh, female golfers in this country. Phenomenal. Certainly Amazing. has. And there's Liz Young, who was one of the, the key architects of the whole thing. She's done exceptionally well from that. She's got onto the Ladies European Tour, and there she is playing an international crown this week. So if you talk about pathways, there's a pretty clear and obvious one right there. Okay, Mr. Ritchie, quiz answers time. Before the break, I asked you to name the 11 Scottish golf clubs that have royal designation. Would you decide, you describe yourself as a royalist, Michael? <laughs> no. No? Absolutely not. Really? Listen, I understand that it works from a tourism point of view and all that, but without getting too political, it doesn't sit entirely right with me that we're spending how many hundreds of millions on effectively a crown being put in a guy's head this weekend at a time that people are having to use food banks and all that sort of stuff. That does not and will not ever sit right with me. But Bring them but, in, let them come and they can, you know what, see if see if Charles wants to have his big party and spend the money himself, you crack right on, son. Uh, yes, how did he earn that money? <laughs> I think inheritance had a lot to do with <laughs> oh, it. Oh, right, I see, yeah, so his mum worked. Oof. I'm sure he'll be a very fine monarch and will continue the tradition of bringing tourists to the UK. That said, use your own money would be my thing. So yeah. no, I'm not a royalist, Price. How about you? No, I'm not a royalist. Is yeah. that a recent thing? But <laughs> Queen were my favourite band, to be fair. Uh, one of my favourite bands. I actually quite like the royal pomposity of it down in London. I actually do enjoy it. I think it's quite good. And, I, and I'm not against the royal family but my god we have deviated what have we talked about here royal golf Glasgow clubs. football you're just stolen royal for, stuff you're stolen for time because I don't think you've got many yeah, of I don't, the 11 I'm, golf I'm clubs I'm not going to lie I, I have very few do you know what the very first club to be given royal status was it sounds like a trick question because you think well it's a royal and ancient it is not they were the second don't know the Royal Perth Golfing Society and County and City Club. In 1833, William IV gave them a royal status. In the following year, he gave it to the Royal and Ancient. You'll sleep better, I'm sure, having known that. So, 11 Scottish golf clubs. How many have you got? TPC Royal Balfron. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, there's, there's not a chance they would take royal status. Is he not going to announce? You said... That they can announce... Uh, there's, there's a chance that he'll announce something I would have thought because his mum, she gave 10 golf clubs royal status. 
1952, the Royal Island Club, which I think is in Singapore. And oh, most recently, all... the Royal Homburger Club in Germany in 2013. All part of the Commonwealth. Is Germany part well, of the Commonwealth? Well, Germany. What's he given? Oh, German. Oh, I get it right. Okay, move on. So, back to the 11. There's a, so to answer your question, there's a chance that Charles will, and it would be, you'll be breaking with precedent not to give a golf club royal status at some point during his reign. Whether that happens you know, as a result of the coronation, we'll wait and see. I don't think there's any official word. When that. is the coronation? Saturday. Right. You're really on top of this. Yeah, I really, I don't know. <laughs> and we get Monday off, is that right? But we'll be working it. We'll probably be working. Yeah, yeah. No, you will be working. We've got print next week, so oh, God, that's you get that Dane Lou, I believe. Thanks, Charles. Are you going to make the quiche? What? The coronation quiche. Is this something, some quiche or something that everyone's going to make? No, I do Apparently. like a quiche. But I've heard what's in it. It doesn't sound very nice. Was it broad beans, spinach that's and just, tarragon? That's disgusting. Um, yeah, that's bulk. They should have a coronation song. Never mind all the trumpets and the... <laughs> let's, let's get like an actual... That was something else. <laughs> and that's why we and don't film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so back to the question because we're going to get into trouble before, we, before too long. I'm sure our bosses listen to this as well. Yeah. So 11 Scottish golf clubs, royal status. I hope they don't listen to this one. Go for it, Bryce. What you got? Uh, Royal and Nation Golf Club of St Andrews. 1834, Which correct. not the same as the RNA. No, it's not. Royal Tarlair. P- dug that out. That's the third most recent in 1926. Oh my word, well done. That's when the Ryder Cup started, wasn't it? 1927 was the first official one. So, okay, that's fine. Uh, Royal Troon. Uh, yes, the most recent in 1978. The most recent Scottish one, I should say. Royal Dornoch. Correct, 1906. Royal Troon, by the way, I think was to coincide with its centenary. So if there's any golf club in Scotland that's celebrating a centenary this year or next, I would fancy your chances. That would be... Is White Craig's not celebrating a centenary? Very good shout, by the way. White Craig's Golf Club founded 1905. It's well over 100. All right, that's not it then. Golf Club... Founded. I'm stalling for time here for you, by the way, big man. 1923. Let's see what we get. Sports clubs established. 1923. East Wren? No. Need to come back to that. Okay. So you have currently got three. Four. 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 Uh, Royal Aberdeen? Correct. 1903. 1903. Wow. Uh, Royal Mosseborough? Correct. 1876. Royal Burgess. Yeah. The second most recent of the Scottish Royals in 1929. Royal Burgess Golfing Society. Royal Burgess, come to the door and go go away. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's it. I'm done. Is that all you... So you got one, two, three... I think that's seven. Four, five, six, seven. Seven out of 11. I'm not going to lie. That's just about as good as I thought you could do. You've missed one that I think you'll kick yourself about. So I'll go the most recent, so the oldest to the most recent. So the first one, I told you at the, the start there, the Royal Perth Golfing Society and County and City Club in 1833. Where the hell's that? Perth, I'm guessing? North Inch? Don't know. Then... Um, really, really, the Royal... The who? The Royal Perth Golfing Society 
and County and City Club. They've got a Wikipedia page. Uh, still going. A private members club in Perth, Scotland, with premises overlooking the North Inch. Ah, uh, so it doesn't have a course. It's, oh, that's what I said. Uh, did I say course? Yeah, yeah, no, that's club. fine. It's not a... Go- it's, a, it's, a it's the Perth Golfing Society, basically. Yeah. So that was the first one. They don't count. Royal Montrose. Uh, or to give it its full title, Royal Montrose Mercantile Golf Club. 1845... There's one here that you would just never have got. 1909. I don't think it exists anymore. And I'd never heard of it until today. But now I want to go and find out more about its story. Royal Kragen. I've heard of that. Royal Kragen. Why didn't you put that in the lesson if you heard Because I'd forgotten about it. <laughs> and this is the one I think you're going to kick yourself about. The last one. In 1925. Doesn't have Royal at the start of the title. That's possibly why you missed it. Duff House Royal. Ah, Duff House Royal. So there you go. Surprising number of golf clubs that have got royal status. A lot of them in England, funnily enough. There's one in Malta, Royal Malta, obviously. Australia, tons of them. Royal Melbourne, Royal Sydney. Royal Burkdale and Royal other ones down south. Royal St. George's, Royal Lytham, Royal Blackheath, Royal Royal Ascot. Royal St. George's. But this is what I, I like, the more recent ones... You can tell that Lizzie, bless her, was, I think, starting to take the piss with us a little bit, or maybe doesn't know anything about golf. She knew plenty about horses, but she golf... doesn't know anything about much. Not the first clue. Royal Regina Golf Club in Canada. Then you've got Royal Golf Club Marianska Lazny in the Czech Republic. Royal Wellington in New Zealand. Royal Mayfair in Canada. Royal Auckland. Royal Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea and the most recent and final one that she gave stats to Royal Homburger previously Bad Homburg Vorderhuhe in Germany so (laughs) (laughs) brilliant so stand by if you're a golf club just if you get anything from Buckingham Palace I have the king on the phone I'd like like to change your name (laughs) but you should stop taking the piss because we do suspect that all these golf clubs are all like hoity-toity and hello. But we went to Royal Troon and it was yes, the complete opposite. Just They're not, not like that. Really nice people. Not like so that. So welcoming, so I like, every, I like how we're suggesting everyone that's royal is a horrible person. It's not the case. Well, you use the word hoity-toity. Hoity-toity doesn't mean horrible. You can still exactly. be very nice, but yeah. it's still hoity-toity. You're the one that used horrible. When? I didn't, actually. That was me that used horrible. <laughs> <laughs> See how this happens? I know. Jeez. You can edit that bit out, make nope. it look good. Nope. <laughs> but we went there and, and they were the friendliest. Yeah. Like it was just night and day from what you would think the perception or the stereotype would be of a private royal golf club. It wasn't like that at all. So I mean, let's pick a golf club that's going to so get much status. so that I went home and I looked into joining Trin. Did you really? Yes. And then you realised, oh wait a minute. No, it's not. It's I don't not, have enough money. No, it's not colossally expensive. It's just that you have to wait three, four years and. I, don't, I couldn't be bothered. Give me a letter between A and Z. M. Okay, so Middlesex. And give me... Tell me when to stop. No. Leeside. Leeside Golf Club. That's getting royal status. Royal Leeside Golf Club. I've decided by that very scientific logic. They're the ones stop. that's getting... Right, well, okay. that's what I think. Leeside Golf Club in Middlesex. It's... 4,800 yards long, Parkland course, par 66. Apparently, it's a great chest from the first tee all the way to the 18th, 18th green, green. With strategically placed... <laughs> designed by James Braid. Five-time <laughs> Open champion. 
<laughs> Congratulations, Royal Leeside. Who designed Royal Leeside? Oh, such a good question. Um, England, it'll be like Harry Cole or something like that. I am not seeing a designer, which means it was probably designed by a club member. Nah, not seeing it. Okay. Right, let's move on to Podder of Merit, shall we? A shout out once again to Steve the Ref for getting involved. Steve, I'm 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 going to lay down a few ground rules. Yeah, stop you. giving the score out on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> ground rule number one. Ground rule number two. We don't do half points. Okay, this isn't the 2003 Presidents Cup. So when we miss the cut, there's no half point. It's nothing at all. So I know you're saying, well, Michael, it's actually seven and a half. Or, it, no. That's and for those for those listening, if you don't know what the Presidents Cup is, it's an, an international biannual event. Yes. Yes. So last week That was an in-joke The Mexico Open Bryce, you went On reflection Probably quite strangely For Maverick McNeely The whole Beware the injured golfer Logic I think Yeah That's what you're going for Tied for 60th So almost last Of those who made the cut I went for Gary Woodland Ooh, Not a good week really. I know either. I was going to say worse. <laughs> yeah. Tied for 39 So good enough For the point Steve is right now Sitting behind the wheel of his Vauxhall Corsa shouting, There's a half point here! No, Steve, it is not. So as it stands, Bryce, four. Michael, seven. Daylight once again, Mr. Ritchie. Yeah, you you need a big few weeks to turn the tables here. That's fine. There's so, a lot of the season to go. Calm down. We'll go to the Wells Fargo Championship then. At Quail Hollow, it's my honour for the first time in a few weeks. Yes. And... I mentioned him earlier, I said he's not been playing well, he needs to show up and produce a result, and that is why this week it's going to happen, and I'm going for Justin Thomas. Oh. Won the USPGA at yes. Hollow last year, so good memories, good vibes, mm -hmm. enough to not playing, start the season. Not playing great, though. Not playing great. Not really in a good spot. You suspect he's going to need a couple of weeks before he can... Have you sent my message to find out what's up? No, I'll text his dad. Alright, okay. Uh, Let's have a look at Thomas's record actually recently because as you say not great tied 25th at the RBC Heritage missed the cut obviously at the Masters as we know and was quite upset about it 10th at the Valspar 60th at the Players 21st at Bay Hill 20th at the Genesis and then you're back to the Phoenix Open where he was 4th but not a huge number of top 10s to talk about there for him so far but this is the week it changes well I am going to pick your man I'm going to pick Ricky Fowler. Playing reasonably well. Have you picked him yet this year? I uh, don't think so. Right, you you lay out the reasons whilst I check with what Steve the Ref had to say about who we've picked. Explain why Ricky Fowler. I just think he's got quite a bit of momentum and they want to make the most of that. And this is, he's got good vibes here, a bit like Justin. This is where he won for the first time. Cool Hollow. So. I did not know that. Uh, yeah. I, I knew that's where Rory won his first PGA mm. Tour event. So, yes, Ricky is my man. Okay, let's just check to make sure that you're okay with that. Are you checking with Steve? Yeah. So, let me see. Pepper, Homer, Burns, Kutcher, Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick, Hoygaard twice. Ram, I can't believe you, you used Ram very well and you still have him. Apparently. Yeah, I can't believe you picked Ram <laughs> and he won. <laughs> Lydia Cole. Yeah, you're good. You're I know good. I'm good. No problem. Let me check. Did I use Justin Thomas? I have not. So, no, we are good. Justin Thomas versus Ricky Fowler this week. Honesty Box to finish up. Another question from the brain of Bryce. That should be a recurring feature. 
It could be a very short one. Sure. Not going to have much depth <laughs> to that feature. But you brought this to the table after seeing Tony Fina. You mentioned it at the top of the show. How did he celebrate? What was the thing he did yeah, he after played, his win? He played a few holes with his kids. On the, on after, the par three yeah, course, wasn't it? After winning. What, what did he win? About 3.8 million? Something like something that. Like yeah. that. Which I, think's, I think it's amazing. How cool is that? I mean, you know what it's like. Well, you might not know. But if you've played in competitions and, and you've won it, you're like exhausted after it. He's going to play golf. You know, I think that's impressive. So there was the question: What would you do after you'd? Uh, How would you celebrate winning a PGA Tour event? I think what would be your. To be honest, I, I think I would. Let's be honest: You're going to be staying in some fancy hotel. Are you? Well, I'm not staying in. A, if I'm playing in a PGA Tour event, I'm not staying in a Motel Six. <laughs> if you've Monday qualified, though, you might have to. Yeah, but you've just won it. So you won three point eight million. So, so you're just going check to check in with hotel. Right, right. Okay. I'm right. Yeah. So I think I would be. I'd probably. Relax in the spa, maybe organise a massage, something like that, relax and just go for a sleep in the sauna or something like that. A sleep in the sauna? Yeah, just chill out, relax, detox. You'd wake up like a shriveled prune. That'd be all right. <laughs> I don't think... I'm not hearing an awful lot of, I would have my friends and family there. Yeah, no, honestly, I probably wouldn't. Why? Because they just talk to you and get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like my own company. You do. Uh, as, as regular listeners will know, Bryce hates being spoken to during a round of golf. So <laughs> if John Ram comes up and puts an arm around him on the 18th, you'll probably off, tell John. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. John, I'm just I'm just playing myself here. I don't really need to chat. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, I never thought of that. So this idea is you're done with the, the media and all that. Yeah, done you've done the media. Your photos. I think I would just chill out, go and get a spa. It'd probably be an early night. I don't think I would be smash drunk. Now, as a PGA Tour event, I'd be expecting myself to win majors after that. So if I won a major, mm-hmm. maybe different. You know, if I won it, the old course, probably be in the student union or something at <laughs> two in the morning. <laughs> I mean, no, no, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't because the, the press stay there. Closed. Yeah, the press stay there. So bugger that. I wouldn't be staying there. There's no students around at that yeah. time of the year. So I if don't that's know. What after. Yeah, I think I would. Uh, I'd be partying if I won a major, but just a PG Tour event, I probably. Spa action. Oh, I'm glad get, you brought this question to the maybe table. Get some, maybe get some dinner delivered to my hotel room, something like that. What kind Watch of dinner? What about a Netflix? Hotel food, it would have to be like a a burger or something. No, you're, really you're not going to boat you're out here. Go, you, know, you can't order a curry in a restaurant. They don't know what they're doing. You've just not won 3.8 million. You can do what you like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but you're going to do it that night, are you? You've got maybe. a bit of time to think about it. You don't even have the money in the bank. That's fine. <laughs> what were you going to do? I'll just say you're you. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think different different people celebrate differently. Don't, don't, I mean, you're not used Watson. to celebrating, you know. <laughs> Celebrated a lot two years ago. I bet you did. A lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bubba Watson, did he not go to that Waffle House that I went Waffle. to yeah, yeah. on Washington Is Road? Is that right? Was it the so, same yeah. one? I think so. I'm sure he said the Waffle House on Washington Road. And there's only one. Certainly, yeah. that I can think of. I don't. I've never been to a Waffle House. It's okay. Yeah. They get very excited about it in the states, but yeah, not not amazing. The the problem is that Americans don't know what bacon is. They serve you this like long ruler shaped no, thing that's just burnt to a crisp. I disagree. You like American I'm, bacon? I like American bacon, but mm-hmm. also if I'm having a bacon roll, I want my bacon basically to nearly be alive. Yeah, you're I not getting that in the States. No, no but that's not, you don't bet a bacon roll in the States, but if you're having a breakfast in America, I quite like the bacon that they give you, where it's basically cardboard. 
it's, it's rock solid. Yeah, I know it's a bit strange, but it's it's nice. Something about that I like. Yeah, uh, I quite like having my teeth. So are so. you? Or, you're not ordering the bacon after you've won the Masters. <laughs> but this is this is not. You're not on Washington Road. You've just won Wells Fargo. What are you right, going to okay. do? I don't know what there is around Charlotte, but um. So you're looking at fast food restaurants well, to go and enjoy. So you're slagging me listen, for getting a spa. No, 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 no. I'm a good guy, right? I'm going to take care of those who've looked out for me. So th- I'm going to phone the, you're going to roll your eyes, but there's a pub in Kirkwall in Orkney where I grew up that's just brilliant. It's called the Torvogue. I'm going to phone up there and I'm going to put, how much have I made? 3. Well, 8 about 3.8 million. Right. I'm uh, that, no offence, that guy's going to go, sorry, who's Michael McCune? I just won in the PGA Tour, turn on your telly. I'm going to stick... <laughs> they want him sky. Knowing how the Arcadians drink, I'm going to stick 10 grand behind the bar. And 10 grand? You've won 3.8 million, you give him 10 grand? The next thing I'm going to do is write a large cheque I've used that money to play Augusta. <laughs> so you've written a, char- a charity thing, you're already dodging tax, well done. Yep, thank you. So take care of some charities that I like. Donkeys? Why do you give me grief over that? Because st- for those that... Don't know, Michael donates to a donkey charity. A horse and donkey charity every month. The horse, a horse and donkey charity? It's the Brook Hospital, and the advert got me. How much do you give them? £10 a month. £10 a month? Uh-huh. A horse and donkey charity? Yes. Listen, I admire that. Thank I, you. I slag the hell out of it, but I admire it as well. So, I'd probably up the donations. How am I going to properly celebrate myself, though? Let's face it, it's not going to be that night, is it? But I'm going to want to have a massive party with friends and family when I get back to Scotland and I'm going to book out... Sod it. I'm going to book out Edinburgh Castle. Can you? Why not? I'm a multi-millionaire suddenly. I can do what I like. (laughs) You sound like King Charles. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm using my own money. Yeah, that you won. I'm not using the taxpayers' money. That you earned. That I earned, exactly. So I'm going to book out Edinburgh Castle. I'm probably going to going to call my pal Sam from Twin Atlantic, get the band over. They can provide the, the music. I'm going to get Mother India to come through from Glasgow. Do the catering. catering. Yes. Yeah. And what kind of entertainment do we want to have? Probably hire a stand-up comedian to tell some jokes. No. Yeah. Yeah, I want people to fun. You're going to have no money at the end. You've only won 3.8 million here. You've just hired out a castle. But I'm exempt for two years. I'll probably win again. I'm brilliant at golf. That's a good point. But now you will be staying for the rest of those two years in a Motel 6. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) Because you spent your money on stand-up rock band and castles. Edinburgh Castle, Twin Atlantic playing. All my friends and family there. I might invite you if you want. That won't cost a lot. You've not got a lot of friends and family. I don't want to come. I would have... A friend of mine, good stand-up comedian, Mark Nelson, he can come along, tell some jokes, offend a few people, definitely go after you and your See, lack of you, if, if people are listening to and, this, and I guarantee I would put my money on it and I'm, at the end of my party night, I'm going to have a lot more money left than you will. I think a lot of people would rather have my night, chilling out in the spa, lying <laughs> in a big fancy hotel room. On your own. Ordering a takeaway burger and just say, just keep the lager coming. That's... <laughs> Rather than all your poncy castles and rock bands. and Well, here's the thing. I don't tend to have parties. I've got to the age of 39 and I have had one birthday party in my entire life. So oh, next year's going to be different. 40 is going to be a big shindig. What are you going to do? I'm not telling you. You'll want to come. You mean I'm not getting an invite? We'll see. Did you I'm get an invite to my 40th? Uh, did I? I did. 
Yeah. Well, you remember that. I don't want to go anyway. <laughs> I'm going to coincide it with Duncan going where to Plint, don't worry. Where is it, Edinburgh Castle? <laughs> well, never say never. So that's what I would do. Very different approaches to yes. celebrating. I yeah, you actually leave the room, which is a start. Well, yeah. So let's hear yours. Get in touch with us. Send us a DM. Tell us what you would do if you won a regular PGA Tour event. Not co-sanctioned, regular, upfront, full field oh, PGA Tour. Not, not one of the shitty ones. <laughs> well, Tony Finau, how did he celebrate? Celebrate? celebrate. <laughs> how did he celebrate? Oh, God, no, Alex Ferguson. How did he celebrate winning Puerto Rico? <laughs> <laughs> that works well, Sir Alex. So, I, I, it's got to be a proper event. Let yeah. us know. Slide okay. into our DMs. That is about it from us for this week. My God, we covered a lot of ground there. Enjoy the coronation. <laughs> yep, I will. And we'll be back next Tuesday because we're all off on Monday to celebrate. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will be back some point next week. We'll see how it all goes. Monday night. Okay. Until then, look, thank you, Bryce, for your contributions, as always. Pleasure. Much appreciated. You Pleasure. didn't gloat too much at the start, which I I'm didn't. surprised by. I, I don't want to. I didn't even, my, my mates, uh, I didn't even uh, say anything in the WhatsApp group because you know what? See now, you don't need to. You smug bastard. And thank you very much to Kate Rose for coming on. Thank you to Callaway. Most of all, thank you to you for listening. Much appreciated as always. We'll be back next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.